Hey, bookworms! Welcome to Librarians Telling Tales, where we introduce you to all the things we love about libraries. Books, people, and making connections. I'm Blair. I'm Jennifer. I'm Amy. In today's episode, we're chatting with special guest and devoted podcast listener, Rob Lynch. Welcome, Rob. Thank you. And thanks so much for being an amazing part of our podcast audience. What made you tune into Librarians Telling Tales? It was a great way for me to get a little more background information and a great way to find out about different books. Plus, I got to play a little contest where I would listen to what all of you were suggesting for books, and I'd be sitting in the background suggesting books out loud to my poor children who are having to listen to me (laughs) at the same time. And I'd be saying, and this book, and don't forget this book. I really enjoyed listening to all the book suggestions. That's how I found out about The Screaming Staircase, and I was just explaining that to one of my students the other day who does like horror books. You know, that just warms my heart that books that I've actually recommended, people are enjoying them, and then recommending them to others. That feeds me. Thank you. (laughs) You said, too, you were hoping for more background, background about... Well, just, you know, we only see the front of the library when we come in. Uh, We don't really have an idea of what's going on in the background. You can look through the windows where the sorter is and kind of see the stuff that's sitting on the cart getting ready to come out. So it was fun to get a peek behind the curtain. Plus, you know, mainly coming with my children, for most of the children's stuff, I didn't really have an appreciation for all the other things that are going on at the library. So the podcast is a great way for me to listen because that's what I do while I do dishes at night or cook dinner or make up the shopping list or make everybody's lunches in the morning. It's just a great way for me to take in wonderful information. So tell us about your book journey. I always find it fascinating to know what books influenced an individual throughout their life. So when I was really young, I really enjoyed reading. I grew up in a house where we had an actual library, not a separate room. I didn't grow up in a mansion, but we had shelves that my dad's dad had helped them to build into the living room. So we had books. We had the Encyclopedia Britannica, the whole entire green and beige set sitting there. We had all the books that he liked to read. And then we had little stacks of our books sitting on the bottom shelves. And when I got into 6th, 7th, and 8th grade and found the Hardy Boys, I read every single one of those. And then I started reading Encyclopedia Brown, which were fun because they had what happened at the end and how they figured it out. And I still remember there was a little thing about an egg and how you can't get it to stand up unless it's been hard-boiled. I don't remember the rest of the story, but I remember that little piece. And then my dad had the original James Bond Ian Fleming books in paperback. My brother and I read those into oblivion. They were literally (laughs) falling apart because they were the little 30-cent books or something from my dad going in and out of airports because he traveled a whole bunch. So we always kind of read the James Bond books and watched him fly off in airplanes. How old were you reading those? Um, Still middle school or high school age? Ian Fleming was probably middle school, high school. Yeah. To see the movies now, it's so evident that they're just taking the name and they didn't even bother to try to do any actual, Mm -hmm. let's stick with the story. It was absolutely fun back then because, of course, I didn't have the ability to watch 500 different things on TV. (laughs) We had a TV where you had to get up and turn the knob to actually watch stuff. So books were a great way for me to run off and do other stuff. 
So are you still more of a mystery reader? I am absolutely still more of a mystery reader, spy. Um, if I ran through my whole list here, it runs the gamut, but it's mainly I swerve back to that. But then I listen to all the audiobooks that are of that genre, and then I have to twiddle my thumbs for six months to a year waiting for a new book to come out. So <laughs> I'm caught up on my Mitch Rapp and my Brad Thor books and Vince Flynn, so now I'm sitting and waiting for them to put out another book. So currently, what have you been following? Because the ones you mentioned are classics. Are there any current? Cinder. My mm -hmm. oldest daughter got me into Cinder. She's like, oh, you should read this. So I read it slash listened to it in about a day and a half because my daughter was very fired up about the book. And then it turns out that she actually didn't finish reading it. <laughs> So Cinder, the book itself or just this the entire itself. series? Because no. there's a whole series. Yes. Okay. So she did finally finish Cinder because I was giving her grief mm -hmm. about the fact that she told me I should read the book and then she didn't even bother to finish it. And then I went through and read Winter and Cress and Heartless and Renegades and Arch Enemies and Supernova. So Marissa I, Meyer fan. Mm -hmm. I was going to yes. say, you all things Marissa Meyer, you yes. know. <laughs> so I enjoyed them. I'm not a super fantasy fan. <gasps> I know. I'm sorry. I can't believe this, Rob. So there was just enough realness to it in that she was struggling and she wasn't living in a, you know, big, huge castle. She's running a little dinky stand where she's having to take care of her own mm -hmm. mechanical pieces plus other people's mechanical pieces. So it was fun. Fable and Namesake. I enjoyed the heck out of both of those. I wish there was a third book. There is. There I was is a just going to tell you. I think it's a prequel. Nice. There's, mm -hmm. It's Saint's Story. And is it out or it's yes. coming out? It's out. Ooh. It's out. It's here. Actually, it's probably up in the teen zone It probably right now. is out in the teen zone unless it went out on hold. <laughs> I miss that. Because normally, as Amy is quite aware, um, I'm on top of yes. the stuff that is coming in. When I'm at school, I wait till 3.08 so that I'm not doing it during school time. But I will sit there on the computer and I have a list of books and DVDs that I'm checking and to see if they're coming in. So that is good information. I will have to add that to my list. Toggling back to the Hardy Boys a little bit, just because your, your son is around that age that you read those books. Have you tried convincing him to dip his toe in that water? I or? have not yet. I think I would start with Encyclopedia Brown. Mm -hmm. Would be a little bit easier read for him at this point. Do you have Encyclopedia Brown? Oh, okay. yeah, I do. So mm -hmm. probably start with that one. We just finished the Phantom Tollbooth, actually, oh, cool. and then we watched the Phantom Tollbooth, the DVD, and that was a little, it was <laughs> like uh, Tim Burton made a cartoon kind of thing. <laughs> I will have to get him going with Encyclopedia Brown, I think. So, Rob, do you read aloud with your kids still, or is that something you did in the past? In the past, it seems like that's all I did. Pre-kids, Deb and I would read the Harry Potter series all the way through, and she got the book until 12 o'clock at night, and then I would come in and take it out of her hands, and I would get it from 12 o'clock at night until 6 o'clock in the morning, and then I would be that typical guy who's ahead of you in the story and sit there at the table looking across at her and saying, you want to know what happens? Do you want to know what happens? Do you want to know what happens? So she would do her best to try to get caught up to where I was so that she didn't have to listen to that anymore. 
When we brought Haley into our household, we did five to seven books a night and really ran the gamut of the different stuff that we read to her. We tried to include some stuff about adoption and that sort of thing so that she wasn't looking at it as something that was a stigma, but as something that was important. The Napping House, Mm -hmm. I can almost do from memory. The Big Hungry Bear and the Little Mouse and the Red Ripe Strawberry. In our house, the Big Hungry Bear only has three legs because he goes boom, boom, boom. We go boom, 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 which is four legs. We did The Deep Blue Sea. Loved that book because you can see the progression as you go from page to page and you're widening out or moving in depending on what you're doing with the story. We did The Snowy Day, which ironically, we never seemed to read The Snowy Day on a day where there was actually snow. (laughs) So we would read The Snowy Day during the summer. My kids really enjoyed Officer Buckle and Gloria. Especially watching the dog in the background, because initially, I think when you're reading through the story, they don't really comprehend that Gloria is doing all this stuff in the background because my son, his eyesight and eye line was on what the police officer was attempting to do, not what the dog was doing in the background. So he had fun figuring that out. And then, of course, the Grinch, because my last name is Lynch. Every year in December, the kids get to call me Mr. Grinch at school instead of Mr. Lynch, because it's probably going to happen anyway. So we might as well lean into it. Just own it. And just kind of let it happen. So (laughs) I bring my copy of the Grinch, stick it up on my whiteboard so the kids can see it. Enjoyed the heck out of Pinkalicious. Read every single one of those. Please, please elaborate. Um, So that was mainly for the girls, we thought. But Aaron ended up loving Pinkalicious just as much as the girls did. And we enjoyed her inability to kind of comprehend that she was putting herself into situations that she wasn't going to be able to think her way or act her way out of. My kids would start to pick up on she shouldn't be doing that or or whatever. And so they enjoyed those things. The Click Clack Moo series make different kind of moo sounds and different, you know, long moos and short moos. And talking about how in the world are the ducks typing with feathers on their wings <laughs> and are they using their beak so all kinds of speculation because we didn't know do you so feel that like was fun. sharing those stories helped with your kiddos negotiation skills because i've observed at checkout that there is negotiation that happens sometimes. oh there's definitely negotiations <laughs> <laughs> no yes. more milk unless you give us the blankets yes we have definite little lawyers in our household <laughs> and that's okay because that's an important skill that they need to have. So yes, definitely reading books and seeing how kids are interacting with adults and interacting with each other. It's a great way for them Mm -hmm. to figure that out. Goat Elocks was a fun one because it takes that whole spin on Goldilocks and it's a goat who likes to eat every single thing <laughs> that it gets its mouth up. Do we have that so in our collection? Fun. We do. Oh, mm-hmm. I need to read that. Thank you yes, for bringing that up. It's a great book. The Three Little Javelinas oh, also, yes. oh, yes. of course, because we have javelinas that come into our backyard and move through our property. It's fun for my kids. 
I don't want to go to bed came along at a very fortuitous time for us because that's when Aaron was transitioning from being in a crib to being in a bed and he wasn't super fired up about having to go to bed and so him getting to watch the tiger run away from his mom and not get his nightly tongue bath out in the jungle all by himself and kind of freaking out because he got what he wanted but now he's not so sure that what he wanted was what he should have been asking for so that was a great opportunity for him to kind of see that even if you don't go to sleep immediately and you do sneak down onto the floor and play with your toys and stuff like that eventually you're going to be so tired that you're going to want to crawl back up in your bed and go to sleep is that a book that aaron remembers is it does he make a connection with that when we gave it away to another family because they had two small children that was one of the tougher ones to pull I think it's interesting when you hear about all the books that stick around from your childhood. And I just made a trip to my childhood home and visited family. And they're pulling out all of my childhood books for my great niece and nephews. While I was there, I was doing a ton of reading to them. So I'm reading the Berenstein's Bee book. And I do have it memorized now because I read it like 20 million times while I was there. And then I had to promptly come back and use it in story time. It's that sort of thing where these books do make an impression on you and you do remember them throughout your life. And there are ones that you want to hang on to forever and share ahead and share with other people and that become really important. So it's interesting that he really had that kind of connection. Yes. One book, though, that my kids really enjoyed that we couldn't really relate to because we don't have to have snowsuits here is Thomas's Snowsuit. Hilarious book, especially when he rustles it away from the teacher and the principal and the teacher and the principal end up in each other's clothing. And Thomas is still standing there, not in his snowsuit. So they really enjoyed that one. And I can't mention books without doing Stephanie's Ponytail, where it moves around on her head from day to day. And everybody at the school starts to copy where she's wearing her ponytail. And she finally gets fed up with them. And spoiler alert, she tells everybody she's going to come to school the next day with no hair. So everybody goes home at night and shaves their head. And she shows up at school the next day with her ponytail. And everybody else is bald. That and the flea sneeze. I can't also forget to mention that book. It's a little flea that's sitting on a pig and the flea wakes the pig up and then the pig wakes up somebody else and that wakes up somebody else in the barn and it's like popcorn waking up and everybody finally settles back down again and somebody gives a Kleenex to the flea. We had a book that and we couldn't come up with what the title was between my wife and I and all three kids and it's going to sound weird that we loved the book, but we can't remember what the title was. But it was a board book where there was the story, but there weren't any words. So you had to come up with what was happening. We would initially make up a story for them, and then they would be responsible for like a page. So they had a great opportunity to get that language and stuff going and listen to what the other person is saying and then carry that forward, which is not a skill that a lot of kids have because they are so used to having the information given to them. I love that your family did that together. It's such a plug for wordless books and how much you can do with them and the imagination. So thank you for sharing yes, that. Yes, absolutely. I wish we could remember the title <laughs> of the book. There's a couple though. Even now you probably could try Mark Pet a Boy in His Airplane. Hmm. And yes. He has at least two of them. They're the emotion that's in these stories that have no words. I mean, there might be a shop sign, but otherwise it's just beautiful. And there's so many different spins on what you can do with those stories. I was going to oh, recommend that. Henry Cole as well. He has Unspoken, okay. which is a little bit more advanced, 
for older children, but it's a picture book. There's so much going on. I think your family would really enjoy. Cool. Also, Paper Bag Princess oh, did course. come yes. up yes. in the last podcast. And oh, we yes, love because I'm a Robert Bunch stan. Yes. I love mm-hmm. him. Love that book, especially the empowerment that the princess gets when she's out of her dress and she's out of her element and she's just wandering around and realizing what a complete doofus the supposed soon-to-be husband it's satisfying that it has a happy ending, but it's not the happy ending where the girl feels the need to hook up with a guy to feel fulfilled. And that's a picture book. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's just so much yep. power and such a great message yep. in a picture book. Should we talk about what's on your nightstand right now? Um, on my nightstand right now, actually, I'm listening to The Magician by Saul Stein. And that was a book that I read it when I was in high school, I think. Apparently, it had a lot more controversy to it than I realized at the time that I was reading it. Because I knew books like Catcher in the Rye and those are a little bit more mainstream band book. I just picked The Magician up at the library at my high school one day and started reading it. And it was a fantastic book because it subverts what you expect to have happen at the end. It's a boy who gets attacked by a bully at a school, and it seems pretty straightforward. The dad was there. The dad was also attacked. The kid had his hands around the throat when somebody witnessed that it had happened. So it seems very straightforward that the kid's going to get, um, you know, arrested and charged and probably go to jail. But the lawyer ends up getting him off. In the meantime, the boy's kind of anticipating that the attacker is going to um, get off. So he starts going and taking self-defense classes. So the kid gets off and confronts him on the street in front of his house. And the kid, he hits him in the nose, which is supposed to send a bone up into your brain and kill you. So the bully ends up dying. And the mom runs back into the house, picks up the phone, and calls the lawyer that the bully had used. And that's the end of the book. Oh, wow. I am not familiar with this book. Me neither. It was amazing. But, unfortunately, it does have cursing and stuff like that in it. And it has some other things that had it temporarily on banned book lists. And it was going to be made into a movie. And then they decided not to make it into a movie because it had so many undertones of other things that were going on, like real life, what's happening to kids in high school, not the bobby socks and big skirts. My sister reminded me of that book. She's like, hey, you remember that book, The Magician, that you told me I should read when we were in high school? And I'm like, oh, yeah. I looked it up and it was available on overdrive so now i'm listening to it and with stories there's that nostalgic story that you remember and then there's what the story really is and so i'm kind of like wow i read this in high school (laughs) when i'm listening the one book i would love to find on overdrive is tunnel in the sky by robert heinlein i read that one in high school also and the high school students at the end of their school year have to go to another planet and survive on that planet as part of their graduation process and you have the opportunity to carry weapons with you if you want to or you can just go with a backpack of food and water and hope for the best and promptly the machine that transports them to the other planet breaks down so it's a little bit like lord of the flies because there's all these high school students who are now vying for supremacy and trying to figure out who's going to be in charge i would love to have somebody do that book i keep looking 
I just finished listening to The Hate You Give. I'm waiting for Scythe. My daughter is also waiting for Scythe to show up in audiobook on overdrive book it is available on cd but it's not available on overdrive i was just at a professional development training in flagstaff and we were talking about maker spaces at our schools and one of the books that came up is wild robot oh yeah wild robot escapes <sighs> mm-hmm. and that both, audiobook is fantastic oh, it is phenomenal I also just finished listening to Bossy Pants, so I do depart from fiction and go with that. So that was Tina Fey. I've listened to that book probably four times now, so it's like once a year. I'll throw it back into my overdrive and listen to it like it's an old comfy socks. Ironically, I don't have anything sitting on my nightstand that is a book. It's all sitting here in my pocket <laughs> because it's all the audiobooks that I listen to. But I did grow up with a dad who would have a stack of like eight full-size hardback books. And he would just come in and he'd reach into the stack and just pull one out. Take out the bookmark, go back two pages, refresh his memory, and then continue on. So that was my role model when I was growing up. I still can pull off the eight different stories at a time thing. I'm more of a one story at a time, get it done all the way to the end. So my wife listened to, I think, The Goldfinch, mm-hmm. which is 32 hours long, which was grueling for her to do. It's a monster. It is a big, thick book. And I listened to The Expanse. By comparison, if you stack them up, The Expanse, I think each one of the books was about 24 hours long. Oh of listening but it was much more realistic science fiction especially the part where they would be approaching a planet need to slow down that it wasn't just coming to a stop like you see on star trek and star wars so it was fantastic i know sci-fi is not your thing but it was sorry (laughs) not one word (laughs) i did read station 11 enjoyed that (laughs) i have a question though do you ever stop reading because you read a lot and listen to a lot of books is there a point where you'll say not for me not going to keep reading this or listening to it anymore i actually listened to that podcast where you all admitted what your threshold level is for putting up with the book and mine's an hour if you don't get me in an hour i'm not listening to the rest of the book that happens routinely not a bunch and i will sometimes go back maybe i wasn't in the right place maybe i needed a little bit more time with this book maybe i needed to not listen to it at 1.25 and slow it down to one and actually give the story a chance to breathe you had all also shared how many books you had read in the course of a calendar year with your goodreads list and i went back through and counted hmm let's go head to head with these three ladies and see i had 163 audiobooks that i listened to in a year that's awesome and the expanse was some of those books oh yeah Yeah. that makes a huge difference when you're doing the incredible volume oh yeah yeah when you are dnfing a book though for an hour in of listening do you find yourself in the first five minutes of like a really bad narrator just saying like bye or do you are you more on content i'm trying to separate myself away like douglas adams used to do the cat who series and then george guidall took over and so that was a adjustment Mm -hmm. but i still enjoy the stories enough that i could overlook who was narrating it to me and now george guidall has gone out to other books i also enjoy scott brick I don't get books based on him narrating stuff, but I really enjoy listening to him tell a story. Mm -hmm. And I listened to a book a couple of weeks ago that the author did it. And that's not something that happens all the time. 
in the books that I listened to, so it was very enjoyable to listen to their take on their own story. And I imagine that they're sitting in a sound booth and reading it and going, gosh, I wish I had said this just a little bit different than I did. I love when the author is narrating their own memoir, if they Mm -hmm. can do it well. For example, Sherman Alexie did his memoir, You Don't Have to Say You Love Me. And that memoir was amazing for so many things. But he did exactly what you're talking about. He's reading his book and he's saying, so I know I mentioned this earlier, but it bears repeating (laughs) and it's not in the text, but I'm going to do it anyway. And so there were those moments that were so very candid and so very personal that made the audiobook definitely worth it. Yep. Yeah, I've been telling them lately, I'm listening to Bono read his book, Surrender. Wow. A story of you two and all of the things. And he'll start singing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's on page, but hearing him, oh, it's so beautiful. And then I'm like, after lunch, singing songs all, you know, bopping around because, oh, I love it. Yeah, I actually, I listened to an interview the other day where one of his most famous songs was actually sitting in the trash can with where the streets have no name. And the manager actually pulled it back out of the trash, put it away for a little while, and then brought this song back and gave them a second crack at it. And it was really cool mm-hmm. because that's a phenomenal song. And it would have been gone because they were just like, you know, I'm not feeling this one. And the creative process. When I taught down in Phoenix, we got to read The Giver. And spoiler alert, there is no end in The Giver. We don't know specifically what happens with them sledding down the hill. Maybe they make it, maybe they don't. So my students would write the last chapter. I had phenomenal stories. Did you ever read the rest of that series? I read Gathering Blue and I read... The Messenger. The Messenger, Yeah, yes. I haven't been able to read... I think the last one is Boy. No, it's called Sun. Oh, Sun. Yes, and I, I did read Sun also. I'm afraid to know I, how everything ends. I have my ending. I've mm-hmm. been really hesitant for that reason because all these storylines finally come together. I'm I was not very sure. satisfied. Oh, I that's loved good to hear. It. And it does need to be in the young adult section. Mm-hmm. But it's full circle. I could mm-hmm. probably read The Giver and Son back to back personally and be mm-hmm. satisfied. So how would you feel if we gave you a recommendation? Please. All right. Who'd like to start off? I have a classic. When you were talking earlier, when you were talking about book you remember reading, when you're talking about The Magician and all of those books, it brought home to me that I keep going back to because it feels so contemporary at the same time that it is a classic. And it is Germinal by Emil Zola. Hmm. And I don't know if you have read it. I have not. Um, not even heard of it. It's amazing. But it takes place in the French countryside right before the Industrial Revolution. Hmm. So everybody is still mining for coal in pit mines with horses, steam and manual powered elevators and how dangerous it is and the company towns. And it is so referential to the jungle mm-hmm. by Sinclair. And so there are so many things in that book that feel so contemporary. I actually have three. They're three. all very different. <laughs> Just, I'll get really fast. The Detective's Assistant by Kate Hannigan. And I it's, think I've read that have one. Have you? But Her aunt is the first female Pinkerton mm-hmm. detective. Okay, so you've read that one. The next one, I just am like a third of the way through, and it is phenomenal, but it speaks to what you talked about with your family and sharing pictures and having stories. It's called Smart by Amy Herman. 
and there's a young readers edition, but it's all about visual literacy and how training your eyes to see more than what's right there and to look more broadly and to think about things as you see them. It really strengthens and empowers your brain. And then the third one is Prey by Michael Crichton. I have actually yeah. read all the Michael Crichton oh, books. Oh, that nanobody yes. thing, that technology piece, yes. yes, yes. coming up, trying to take over. Yes, it yes. isn't. Michael Crichton is so prescient in some of his uh-huh. stuff. There's lots of logic leaps, but there's also the underlying science, science yeah. behind it. Thank you. Cool. Before I recommend my book, I wanted to ask you, over the course of listening to our podcast, did you get a sense of what each of our genres or loves? Well, you are not science fiction. <laughs> you no. not sure when I told you about The Maid. You kind of looked at me like, okay, I'll listen to you, but I'm not too sure. So I'm going to go diagonally across the table and go fantasy and YA. For Blair. For Blair, Mm -hmm. yes. So you're more the screaming staircase, but you're YA also with a lean towards wanting to have the kids to read fulfilling books, not just fluff. So like I've never heard you suggest Twilight to anybody. (laughs) But I was a closet Twilighter. You know, that's there's a little more meat on that one. Yeah. Amy, I think, is all over the place. I know she does sci-fi. Sci-fi and other stuff? Or, yes. Okay. Yep. Was I right? Or Yeah. Oh, I okay. love... But you I missed love, a, you miss a component. Uh-oh. You missed a really... Very, very key component. Very key component. Let's say it together, Amy. Are we ready? Yeah, one, two, three. Historical, Historical fiction. fiction. Mm. That's my jam. And her, her almost... <laughs> I can't not recommend this author all the time. Ready? Rudus Pettis. <laughs> that would be, I would probably recommend more of an author to you. I'd recommend Sharon Cameron and Rudus Pettis. <laughs> but what I want to recommend to you is something I recently reread with Teen Book Club, and it's Airman by Owen Colfer. Hmm. Have you read that? Is that the guy who did Artemis Fowl? Indeed mm-hmm. it okay. is. And he's more known for Artemis Fowl. But this is a historical adventure. So hmm. I think it might speak to your James Bond heart. Okay. So it takes place in the age of flight back in the 1870s and 1890s in a fictional place called the Salties Islands, just off the coast of Ireland. And this young boy, he was actually born in an air balloon. And he overhears a plot to murder the king. Hmm. But then he's framed for it and he's put away in this prison down deep in a cave. Over time, he gets these pieces while he's in prison and creates a flying contraption so he can flee. Wow. It's historical because of the time setting, but it's also exciting and adventurous because of what he does and how he escapes. And all of the teens really enjoyed it. Very cool. So if you liked Artemis Fowl, if oh, you liked that. Oh, I definitely that, enjoyed Artemis Fowl. he's a good Fowl. writer, right? He, yeah. I'd highly recommend Airman by okay. Owen Colfer. Thank you. Okay. Uh, one more. Oh. <laughs> the sci-fi reader. I'm assuming you may have read Blake Crouch. I have read some Blake Crouch. Recursion. I if you don't have, think I've read that one. It is now. also an amazing okay. audiobook. Thank you. Mm-hmm. If I could throw one more quick little book in, The Liar's Dictionary, if you have not read that one. Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting story because the politics that go into what words end up in a dictionary and Uh some of the background stuff that goes on behind the scenes. I'm sure it's fictional, but I'm sure that this stuff does actually happen when people are determining what words we're going to get to see and interact with. So that'd be my parting shot. Fantastic. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Well, Rob, I just want to tell you that I so enjoy when you come into the library because I know when you're 
there we're going to have some great discussions. We're going to be swapping books. And I've always enjoyed your recommendations. And I really appreciate you well, thank being you. such a, a voracious reader and sharing because... I think we all have book hearts and it's just fun to talk books and I can see that in you. We just so enjoy getting to know you and your family, of course. Thank you. We hope this episode inspires you to read and recommend books with your family and friends. Listeners, we want to thank you so much for joining us today and throughout our podcast journey. We are going on hiatus here at Librarians Telling Tales as we get ready to start summer reading 2023, all together now at Prescott Public Library. Please remember you can always go back and listen to our past episodes from season one and two, as well as access our book list from today's episode and past episodes through the link on our podcast bio. We'd like to thank our listeners for supporting this podcast. We would also like to thank the City of Prescott, Friends of the Prescott Public Library, and all our fabulous co-workers at Prescott Public Library. Don't forget to stop by Prescott Public Library to get our recommendations in person and participate in all the fun things your library has to offer. We'll see you there.